Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, C1. I'm so excited for a couple a couple reasons. Uh, number one, that's my favorite word. I love the word excited because I feel like that describes my life. I am excited. I'm excited for this new year to see what God's going to do through his church. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through me. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through you. I, I'm excited um, that 2020 is over. I, I know everyone's saying, amen. We, but Pastor Ben hit the nail on the head last week. We don't know what 2020 one has in store. We really don't. We're, we are right at the, I mean, just the, the surface of this year. It could be better. It could be worse. Um, well, that's really encouraging. I know. I know. But let me tell you this. Whether you were a fan of 2020 or not, I, I have actually not yet met one person who's been really a big fan of the year of 2020. Uh, I could tell you this, though. God has not wasted it. God did not waste one second, one millisecond of 2020. He has used it to further his kingdom, to advance the gospel. And let me tell you about 2021. I can tell you this with certainty. God is not going to waste it. He is not going to waste one millisecond of 2021. So we have an option, church. We have an option of whether we're going to be on board with what God's gone wanting to do. You have an option of, of whether you celebrate what God has done in 2020. Because all of us, every single person, has had something happen in 2020. Whether you lost a job or, or whatever, you, you, your, your business shut down, you, you lost some pay, you lost a loved one. We all have an option of how we're going to respond we can be a victim of 2020 or we can be victorious over 2020. I choose to be victorious and launch into this new year anticipating what God is going to do through his church. That's how I'm going to approach it. I have to because I want to be a part of what God's doing. And today I want to talk to you. I'm going to give you three snapshots of a man's life. And I think it's a timely word. I think it's a word that you need to hear and I need to hear. I've been chewing on this section of scripture for probably six or seven months. I've talked to Amy about it over and over. In fact, leading into this Sunday, I was talking to Amy and I said, Ames, I'm really actually wrestling with what to speak because we're not quite in a series. And I know where, where the series is going to go, but I have, a, I have a standalone Sunday. And this is, that was Siri. Um, sorry. <laughs> we have a standalone Sunday, and I was wondering, I was wondering where to go. And Amy, Amy said, you should talk about Saul, because you keep talking to me about Saul, the King Saul. And I've been chewing on, uh, on this section of scripture in 1 Samuel for a long time. And as soon as my wife, and I, I got to tell you, husbands, if you're not listening to your wife, you're, you're the, godly, the godly woman in your life, 
you're missing out because so often what I find is the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my wife a lot of times. And as soon as she said, you should speak about that because you keep talking to me about it and it I, I, clearly the Lord's working on you with this, it, like it clicked. And I knew that this is a word that we needed to hear. And we're going to look at three snapshots and they're out of 1 Samuel chapter 10, 1 Samuel chapter 13, and 1 Samuel chapter 15. But I would encourage you this week or maybe this month, go back and read the, the, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel. They're so powerful. The, 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 the narrative of, of King David and, and, and King Saul and King Solomon and uh, the narrative of this man named Samuel who was a prophet and, 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 a, and a judge. He, he has such a powerful life. And we step into the scripture, um, and it's it's a it's a powerful moment because Israel is about to start a new thing. Saul is about to start a new thing. Samuel's about to start a new thing. We are in the first Sunday of a new year, about to start a new thing. We've never, in, in my lifetime, and I guarantee you probably in most of your lifetimes if you're watching, we've never walked out of a year that was plagued with this many shutdowns due to a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, okay? And we're, we're stepping out of this year in hope, believing that it's going to be better. And, and we're stepping into a new thing. So we can kind of relate. But there's one central thought I want to give you today. And that one central thought is starting strong is good, but finishing strong is better. Because we can start this year strong. I mean, dude, we started 2020 strong. We started 2020 with all the ambition, with all the excitement, with all the hype, not knowing what was around the corner. No one could have called 2020. But guess what? We need to start strong and we need to finish strong. And the question that that begs us is how do we finish strong? Because we can start strong all day long, but if we finish weak, then then it doesn't really matter. God doesn't call us to start strong. He calls us to finish. We've got to finish the race set before us. How do we finish strong? I'm going to give you three snapshots of how not to finish strong and what it looks like when you don't. So the first snapshot is actually in 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'm going to paraphrase it. Because it is a lot of scripture, but I'm going to start in verse 9, and I'm going to give you a little context. So what's happening here is Israel wants a king. They want a king because all the nations around them have a king. All the nations around them have a tangible person they can look to to make judgments. Up to this point, God has been their king, and he's been working through the judges to, 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 to kind of rule them, but God, at the end of the day, was their king. And so they asked Samuel, give us a king. Speak to God on our behalf. And God said, give him a king. He said, they're not rejecting you, Samuel, the prophet of God. They're rejecting me as their king. 
And, and sometimes we, we ask God for things that we don't even understand the consequences for. So God tells Samuel, warn the people what the king's going to do. The king's going to take their children and put them in their, his army and, 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 their, and their females to work in his courts and, and in, in, in his palaces. And he's going to take the best of their crops, the best of their cattle. And he's warning Samuel warns them about this, and they're like, no, give us a king anyways. We want a king like all the other nations. And so what happens is God tells Samuel to go to a certain place, and he said, you're going to bump into this guy named Saul. And we see that Saul's father is very wealthy. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. Saul is a son of Kish. And Kish is a very wealthy man, but um, Kish's donkeys run off. And Saul, his, his dad, Kish, tells Saul, hey, take a servant and go find the donkeys. So Saul, in humility, does what his father tells him to do. And the Bible also tells us about Saul that he's a head and shoulders taller than anyone else. And he's better looking. He's much like Pastor Ben. And um, <laughs> if, you, if you can see Pastor Ben right now, he's just shaking his head. Um, so he's a, head, he's a head and shoulders taller than everyone. And, um, and the Bible says that Saul is better looking than anyone in Israel. And so what happens is Saul in humility goes and looks. And on his way, he bumps into this guy named Samuel. Samuel is the, the prophet of God. And Samuel anoints Saul to be king. And then Samuel tells him, he says, okay, listen, people are worried about you now. They're not worried about the donkeys because the donkeys have been found already. But now your dad is worried about you. So you need to head back. But this is what's going to happen. On your way back, you're going to bump into a group of prophets who are going to be prophesying. And the Lord's going to come upon you strongly and you're going to start prophesying. And God's going to give you a new heart. And, and he's going to turn you to really a new person. And, and all these signs are going to happen. And we step into 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 9, and it says, As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, the first sign. And it says, And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled. And then it says in verse 10, When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. And everyone was astonished that this guy, the son of Kish, started to prophesy. And it actually became a, a saying in Israel back in the day that, can anyone prophesy like Saul? And it was so astonishing. But the Lord put in Saul a new heart because Saul was a humble person. And, and it, gets, it gets further because on his coronation day, when, when, when Saul was about to be announced to be king of the land before the people, Samuel, he, he, he gathered all the tribes of Israel. There's 12 tribes and there's millions of people. And get this, he already anointed Saul to be king. But then he called forth the tribes and the cast lots to see where the king would come from. And the tribe of Benjamin, Saul's tribe, drew the lot, and he, they came forward. And then out of that, the clan in the tribe of Benjamin came forward, and out of that, Saul came forward. And it, to the nation, it looked by chance that it happened to be Saul that was chosen to be king, but God had already anointed Saul to be king. 
a week before this. And you might be walking through life wondering how God is going to work this out. How is God going to make 2021 better? How is God going to supply my needs? How is God going to heal my body? I've been diagnosed with this or I lost this or whatever your situation is. Let me tell you, you might not know how God's going to do it, but God has already figured it out. He's already figured out what's going to happen in your life this year. And he calls us to trust him and walk in humility. And then when Saul was chosen, Samuel said, let's present him. We're we're down in verse 20, but he says, let's present him to the nation. And they couldn't find the guy. He was hiding amongst the baggage with the donkeys. He was so humble that he didn't want to step out in front of people. And then something happened. He started so good. The the Lord gave him a new heart. The Lord gave him a a, a new spirit. He, He started with humility. And then even if you read the next chapter, in the next chapter, you'll see that Saul mustered an army of over 300,000 people that, that he went to defend his fellow Israelites across the Jordan River. And he was a, such a humble leader and to the point where when people were bad-mouthing him, saying, who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is? Thinking that he should have the right to rule. People, um, people were like, what are you going to do with that? It says that Saul ignored him. And then after he won the great victory that defended his, his fellow Israelites, they said, let's bring forth all those men who cast doubt on Saul's reign as king, and let's put him to death. And Paul and Saul, in humility, said, "No, no one will be put to death today." He he walked in humility. He listened to the Lord. He obeyed God's instruction. And then, if you get to the last of his life right before he dies it says the the Lord left Saul and no longer spoke to him and he didn't finish well he finished in disobedience trying to do things his own way So to answer the question, starting strong is good, but finishing strong is better. How do we finish strong? I would say it's one word. It's humility. And out of humility comes all the other characteristics that we want to walk out in our faith. Obedience comes out of humility. Faith in God comes out of humility. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control come out of a humble heart towards God. Humility is the basis for everything that God does through us. In fact, to the point where the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And pride sets in very, very subtly. And I need us to get this because 
There is a point in Saul's life, the second snapshot I want to show you, and we're going to read it together. It's in 1 Samuel 13, 8 through 14. It says, Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't come. So I want, I want us to get what's happening. Every time God wanted to speak to Saul and they were about to make a decision, Samuel told Saul on multiple occasions, go to Gilgal and wait for seven days and I will get there. So this is not the first time Samuel told Saul this. This is one of many times. In fact, his coronation was one of those times. He said, go to Gilgal, wait for seven days. This is the normal thing in Saul's life. And I don't know how many years Saul has been king at this point, but what was happening is the Philistine army was coming against them. And Saul had about 3,000 men, and, and they kept dwindling down, dwindling down. And, and, and he couldn't muster an army like a couple, a couple years ago when he had 300,000. He couldn't do it for some reason. But his, his army was leaving him, and it got down to like 600 men. 600 men against thousands of men. And he got scared, and something happened. Something happened in his brain. He started looking at his circumstance instead of his God. Like it was ever him who won the battle. And, and, and he, did, he wasn't realizing that if he won a battle, it was God who brought the victory. But when you start looking at circumstance, when you start looking at the things around you, when you start looking at, at how can this happen, how can God move in this, you're going to start making decisions like Saul did. Because Saul was looking at circumstance, and he said, i got to do something about this, because my army is dwindling. We won't stand a fighting chance. And the reality is, he could have had 100,000 men against 1,000, and if God wasn't for him, then it didn't matter. Because it's God who brings the victory. It's God who brings the provision. Man, you might be sitting in your house today saying, I don't know how we're going to make it to the end of the month. Well, guess what? It's not about a government check. It's not about a stimulus package. It's God who brings the provision. It's God who brings the victory. If you're watching this and you're addicted to drugs and you don't know how you're going to see freedom, it's not about counseling. It's not about all that. It's God who brings it. He might use other sources, but it's God. And when you lose sight that it's God in the end, you will start making decisions like Saul. Saul looks at this situation and he gets desperate. He said, it says that he waited there for seven days too. But Samuel didn't come. Like maybe Samuel might have came on the fourth day and they waited till the seventh day to make the sacrifice. But Saul was doing what he thought was right. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Samuel went out to meet, and Saul went out to meet and welcomed Samuel. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistine armies are at Michmash, ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal. And I haven't asked the Lord, for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled 
to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Stop right there for a moment. It's a very dangerous thing when we start listening to our feelings. The world would say, do you do you? The world would say, listen to your heart. Man, you might feel compelled to do something for God, but if it's not God who told you to do it, then don't do it. Man, that, like, well, that doesn't make sense. I want you to get this. Samuel, Saul is doing all the right things the wrong way. God told him to wait right there until Samuel arrived, and it's Samuel's job to offer the burnt offering and to ask God for help. It's not Saul's job to do that. And I think we have a lot of Christians running around trying to do other people's jobs and and not really asking, God, is this something you want me to do? This is a moment where Saul depended on what he saw and not trusted in God for faith, in faith. He didn't trust God that Samuel's going to show up and do what he needs to do. He started saying, look at this, look at that, look at that. And suddenly, he said, I have to do something about it. There's nothing wrong with having passion. There's nothing wrong with, with doing what God tells us to do. But if we do it the wrong way or a way that God doesn't want us to do it, then it's wrong. Saul took it upon himself to do someone else's job in pride. He wanted to do the right thing, but he did it the wrong way. And if you do the right thing the wrong way, it's it's the wrong thing. Saul missed it by this much. He missed the mark. He missed his mark because he just couldn't wait. He he quit trusting that God was going to do what he said he would do. And we got to get this. We got to grab a hold of this. God will grow his church. God will bless his people. God will reach those lost people. But we got to do it God's way. We got to do it the way God tells us to do. And that requires humility. It requires us to lay down ourselves a base before God, saying, God, I want what you want. It's not a sacrifice if it costs us nothing. And a lot of us have a hard time with sacrifice when it costs us something. But Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, pure and holy and pleasing to God. That means you lay down your dreams, your aspirations. You say, God, if this is your will, you do it. We just got out of a series called Sweet Dreams. And man, I'm excited for the dreams that God's going to birth. But we got to do those dreams God's way. God had a dream for Saul. And we're going to go to the next, the next scripture. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You're about to see the dream that God had for Saul. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Stop right there. I want you to get this. When we are disobedient to God, when we do things our way, it might be the right thing, but we're doing it our way. That, that's a pride thing right there. 
God, I like what you're saying, but I want to do it my way. God, I, I know that you told me to do this, but I want to do it this way. That, that, that's a pride thing. And God's not going to bless pride, but he, what he does, he blesses humility. And, and I want you to get this. The Lord would have established your kingdom forever. That means the New Testament would have read a little different. Instead of Jesus saying that he was a son of David, which is a king that came after Saul, Jesus would have been saying, I'm the son of Saul. He could have been in the line of the Messiah. But because, but because of disobedience, him saying, I want to do the right thing the wrong way. God, he wanted a word from, like, get this. He wanted to hear a word from God. He wanted to ask God for help. He wanted to hear a word from God, but God already gave him a word. It was to stay at Gilgal until Samuel got there for Samuel to offer the sacrifice. Some of us are wanting a new word from God when God already gave us a new word. Some of us are wanting a new dream from God when God already gave us a dream. And he's saying, why don't you do what I already told you to do and see me bless that before I give you something new? Saul wanted a shortcut. He wanted to do things his way. And pride always wants to do things our way. Pride says, me first, you second, God. But that's not how God works. God wanted to establish Saul's kingdom forever. Saul started so good. He started with a new heart given to him from God. He started prophesying. He was doing the right thing. He didn't let offense take hold of him. Early on, Saul, like people were saying, who does he think he is to, to, to have a right to rule? And he said, I'm not going to take offense to that. But what does pride do? Man, later on, Paul gets insecure. Man, pride leads to insecurity. When people start talking about how David killed his tens of thousands and Saul only killed his thousands, Saul's leadership got insecure. And then suddenly he starts killing one of his most faithful, trying to start to kill David, one of his most faithful soldiers, and not to mention his son-in-law. Pride leads to insecurity. Pride leads to so many different things. But But Saul started so good. He started with humility. But it start, starting strong is good, but finishing strong is better. And how do you finish strong is what happens in the middle. What happens in the middle? It's a constant choice to walk in humility before God, to lay down everything before God, to make ourselves a living sacrifice. Saul could have been the line from which the Messiah came, but he chose to do things his way. He had not kept the command the Lord gave him. Let's keep going. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. We've got to decide on this first Sunday of 2021. To not just start in humility, but to walk it. God wants to do so many things, I believe, through this church. 
but it starts with humility. Everything is like humility is going to be the foundation. Humility before God is going to be the foundation of which he does everything. We have got to have a humble and contrite heart before the Father. Because if we don't, God will oppose us. God will take away dreams and aspirations from us if we don't walk in humility. Then the last snapshot I want to give you, it's in 1 Samuel 15. So God just told him that his kingdom would not last forever. He might have had a dynasty, but it just wouldn't last forever. But now we step into 1 Samuel 15, and something happens. Because when, when pride sets in, it makes us blind. When we're not humble, it makes us blind to the own faults in our own heart. That we don't even realize what we've done wrong anymore. And it's, there is these people called the Amalekites. And when the children of Israel, the Israelites were coming up out of their captivity in Egypt, and they were going through the desert. The Amalekites really opposed them and really um, attacked them. And, and God was not pleased with the Amalekites. And so God decided, you know what, I'm going to take and avenge my people. And I'm going to just wipe these, this people group off the face of the earth. Because when you mess with God's chosen, it's not a good thing. That's why I, I don't get really upset when people mess with me. Because at the end of the day, God sees it. And it's not my job to take vengeance on them. My job is to love them. But God will defend me. God will defend our, our just cause. So um, a hum, uh, I truly believe a humble heart doesn't take a lot of offense to a lot of things because God's got it worked out in the end. But we see the command that Saul was given was to go in to the Amalekite land and just wipe everything out. Just basically just torch the ground. Their crops, their livestock, the people, from the youngest to the oldest, everything. These people were so wicked, so wrong, so bad. And that was the command that Saul gave them. And that God gave Saul. And then Saul went in. And he, he, he wiped everyone out, but he kept the choicest livestock. He kept the, the king alive. And we step into verse 10. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to, to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went um, to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Galgal. Like this was a huge military victory. And if you understand the times when, when kings would go in and conquer other kings, a lot of times they would bring back the, the king they conquered and just kind of parade him. And they would bring back plunder and, 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 and kind of like, hey, look everything I've done. And Samuel went to a place to set up a monument to himself. And I mean, number one, 
It should have been to God because God's the one that instructed to do this and he's the one that brought the victory. But that's not what God commanded him to do. God didn't command him to go plunder this people. He didn't command him to leave the king alive or the livestock alive. He disobeyed God. Remember that it started, and this is the crazy thing. All this in Saul's life, it started with one act of disobedience. Man, I waited here for seven days, God, and you said Samuel would get here on, on the seventh day. And, and man, it, time's getting short. I don't know what to do. I got I to gotta do it myself instead of trusting God and obeying God. That's when it all started. It crumbled from there. Pride set in. Disobedience set in. You can't be humble and, 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 and disobedient at the same time. It just doesn't work. And then, when Samuel finally found him, in verse 13, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. If you remember, in verse 10, the Lord said, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and refused to obey my command. But Saul is so blind in pride to his own disobedience that he can't even see that when he's disobedient, he thinks his disobedience is obedience because that's what happens when we refuse to walk in humility, when we refuse to let God break us, when we refuse to let God work on us, when we refuse to let God work in us. We start to think that our disobedience is obedience to God. And we see that at work even now in the church. When we have churches authorizing all sorts of immoral acts. And we have pastors saying it's okay to do this and do that. They think that their disobedience is obedience. That's happening right now in our nation. And it takes someone like Samuel to stand up. To say, no, in humility, love, I'm going to speak the truth of God. Because it's not enough to start good. There's so many pastors, there's so many churches that started with good intentions. But they finished horribly bad. Because they lost sight of God. They lost sight of obedience. They quit walking in humility. Somewhere along the way, they thought that they did it and it wasn't God. That's not how God works. It's about obeying and listening to the living God and doing what his word tells us to do. And and, and, and if for a moment you think God's okay with sin in your life, he's not. That's why Jesus came and died for our sin. So we can walk in victory over it. You're not a victim of it. And he said, I have carried out the Lord's command. And then in verse 14, then Samuel demanded, what is all this bleeding of sheep and goats lowering of cattle I hear? And then Saul said, it's true that the army spared the, the best sheep and goats and cattle, Saul admitted but they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. But if you remember, God said destroy everything. 
And then, then Samuel said to Saul, stop, listen to what the Lord told me last night. And Saul asked, what did he tell you? And Samuel told him, although you may think of yourself little, little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord. He was so blind. God told him to wipe everything out. But in his pride, he's like, no, 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 get this. Get we brought it back to sacrifice before the Lord. So we are going to destroy it. But that's not what the Lord asked him to do. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best sheep, and goats, and cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. Man, pride. If you recall back in, ver in chapter 10, Samuel had, or Saul had the spirit put on him, a new heart, and he's prophesying. God wasn't just Samuel's God. God was Saul's God. He didn't want to move unless God moved. He didn't want to do anything unless God said. Even in, verse, in chapter 13, he wanted to hear from God before he went and did something. And, and he wanted to hear. And suddenly, there was a shift from my God to your God. It was no longer Saul's God because pride and disobedience set in. And that's when Samuel replied, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. God wants us to be obedient, but it's not just enough to be obedient. We've got to be humble. We've got to be humble. Starting strong is great. It's good. We should start and launch this year with excitement for what God's going to do. But it's in the middle. It's in the Februarys and the Marches and the Aprils, Mays, Junes, Julys, Augusts, Septembers, Octobers. It's in the middle of that, that process before, before the end. How, what, what are we doing? What are we doing, church? It's in the middle. Are we walking in humility? Are we walking in obedience? Because I can tell you this, finishing strong is so much better. It's so much better. Saul had it all, but he missed it. He, I mean, he missed it by a hair. I mean, literally, it started. Like, he was wrapping up the sacrifice when Samuel was walking up. I mean, if he would have waited an hour, just another hour, Jesus would have been saying, I'm the son of Saul instead of the son of David. He missed it. He missed his mark by a hair. I don't want that for us. I don't want us to do everything right up front and then miss our mark. We got to walk in humility. We got to walk out obedience in humility. We got to listen to the word of God and we got to listen and we got we to gotta unplug our ears to what the Holy Spirit's telling us. The Lord has given us a very specific command 
go into all the world and make disciples and preach the gospel. We can't be muddied with all this other stuff. We can't be muddied by politics. We can't be muddied by, by racial things. We've got to stick to what God co- commanded us to do, and that's make disciples of all people groups. To love people the way God loves them. And here at scene one, our focus is very clear. We are going to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ through celebrating Jesus, living in community, sharing our story, and making a difference. And that is our focus. We're not going to muddy the waters with anything else. But we got to do it in humility. We can't start strong and end horrible. It's what happens in the middle. We can't make excuses anymore for why we can't either. Saul, he had all the excuses of why he did what he did. And being a father of a five-year-old, when I tell my daughter to do something and she doesn't do it, man, I, I've heard everything. Like, well, Dad, I, well, I was going to do it, and then like, I decided that I just needed to go over here and just pick my nose. And you know, She doesn't pick her nose. Well, actually, she probably does. She's five. But um, sorry, Skye, when you watch this 20 years from now, it's cool. Um, like, God's not interested in our excuses. There is a real world out there that needs Jesus, and they need hope now more than ever. We've come out of one of the most depressing years in in. I, I, in, in in recent human history, they need hope. And we have the hope of the world. And his name's Jesus Christ. And we got to be obedient about that purpose and about that call. We weren't called to be kings like Saul was, but we were called to be disciples and to make disciples. And we can't take that call lightly. We can't make excuses for why we can't. Well, it's awkward. Well, it's hard. It, 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 the the time for that is done and over. we got to push forward in obedience and humility and say, okay, God, whatever you want, let's start strong and let's finish strong. Father, I pray right now that your word will do what your word does and let this word resonate in our heart Let it challenge us not only to start strong, but to finish strong. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I thank you, God, for every person that's heard this. I pray blessing upon their life, that you go before them, that you anoint them, that you empower them through your spirit to do what only you can do through them. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I love you guys. Have a happy new year. I can't wait to see you.